week I shared the story of that chaplain's assistant who saved the life of that young soldier who was getting ready to commit suicide. I'm pretty sure that soldier was wondering where God was in the midst of all his troubles, in the midst of all his pain. He may have even cried out to God, asking him where he was when he needed him the most. Well, God answered that soldier by sending one of his obedient servants. God uses us for his work. That true story should have reminded us of a few facts. Firstly, God hears our prayers. Amen, Wade? God hears our prayers. 1 Peter 3.12 assures us, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. Proverbs 15.29 tells us, He hears the prayers of the righteous. God hears our prayers. Secondly, God tells us he's with us. We read this in Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Not maybe, not could be. He will. And in Hebrews 13.10, God declares, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is always near. And lastly, this story reminds us of how Truly how precious we are in God's eyes. Jesus himself reminds us of our worth in Matthew 10, 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. What we don't know about that story last week, what we don't know about that soldier, is how he reacted after his life was saved. We do know that he thanked the chaplain's assistant that next morning at breakfast, of course. But I'd love to hear that that made him turn to God. Or maybe that made him return to God. I pray the sparing of his life resulted in a new life a new outlook, celebrating God's goodness and filling him, overfilling him with gratitude and thanksgiving. Now you're making me hungry. I also pray that that soldier was brave enough to share his testimony with others because that's what we're called to do. We share our testimony so that we can give people hope in their darkest moments. Now in the New Testament, the word thanksgiving comes from the Greek, eucharistia, which means gratitude, giving thanks, or conveying gratefulness to God is an act of worship. We often start our prayers, we come to you with praise and thanksgiving when we pray. Someone wrote, gratitude is a positive response to experiencing God's goodness and grace. Gratitude is a positive response to experiencing God's goodness and grace. In other words, once you realize God is working in your life, you'll show gratefulness and how you live your life. Colossians 3, 16 through 17, instructs us to let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another 
with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, we know the Bible is full of examples of people who lived with gratitude and thanksgiving, but I want to remind you of a couple of them. We begin in Luke 17, 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he, meaning Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. Ready? And as they went, they were healed. Now there's a big message coming on that because he put it on my heart and I have goosebumps right now. And as they went, they were healed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, fell on his face at Jesus' feet and gave him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Then we have King David, of course, who always repented and recommitted his life to God, thanking him for his forgiveness. We know that when Hannah cried out for being barren and cried out for being ridiculed for being barren, God heard her cries, heard her prayers, and rewarded her with a child, Samuel. She responded with great thanksgiving, acknowledging her son was from God. King Darius threw Daniel into the lion's den because he refused to worship other gods. But God heard Daniel's prayer and protected him. The Bible says Daniel came out of the den glorifying and thanking God. Saul persecuted Christians. But after experiencing a, a change of heart with the Holy Spirit's help, he was named Paul and became a humble, grateful follower of Jesus. He was beaten, he was shipwrecked, and eventually sent to prison. Yet he remained grateful to God who gave him that new life in Christ. Job is a story of that rich man that was blessed with many possessions. God pointed him out as a faithful and obedient servant. He lost everything, his children, his possessions, and his health. But even in the midst of losing everything, Job decided that God was bigger than his struggles and still worthy to be praised. Because of this, God blessed him with even more than he had before. You see, Job was a man who God believed could not only, that not only could endure, but would endure Satan's attempt to turn him from God. Job's friends accused him of being a sinner. They believed his pain and sufferings were penalties for wrongdoing. Their opinion was, why else would God be punishing Job? These are friends who accused rather than encouraged. These are friends who judged rather than comforted. 
Friends who didn't go to God in prayer, instead they were all full of themselves. They presumed to know the reason based on their knowledge, instead of turning to God who has all the knowledge. The book of Job opens by God himself describing Job as blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. A man who was not perfect, of course, but certainly complete in his devotion, respect, and obedience to God. The reading goes on to list the incredible blessings he'd received from God. He was both extremely righteous and enormously wealthy. We read that this man was the greatest of all people of the East. He was a big deal. But then it quickly moves into another direction, doesn't it? Job must deal with the pain and the suffering through the loss of his family. We read the dialogue between God and Satan, which sets this whole stage for testing Job's faith. Satan accuses Job before God. He insists that Job's godliness was false, that it was an act, that he only served God because of what he could get from God. Satan felt that God had somehow bribed Job into being obedient. So, God allowed Satan to take away Job's wealth, Job's family, and Job's health, just to test his faith in obedience. Upon receiving the devastating news of the loss of his family and possessions, we read how Job responded in 38, 20-21. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, he fell to the ground and worshipped. Remember, he just heard the news. He fell to the ground and worshipped, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And verse 22 ends it by saying, In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Job loses everything at the beginning of the story and is tormented by his wife and alleged friends as they all give him their advice. And despite his wife's prompting, Job refuses to curse God and die. In the midst of his mourning, in the midst of all his pain, in the midst of all his suffering, Job made the decision to worship God despite his circumstances, despite his personal feelings. He made worshiping God his priority. Our first reaction to pain or suffering reveals what really dominates our hearts, doesn't it? It's how we react. Worship was Job's first reaction to this crisis. And may I say it should always be mine, and it should always be ours as well. God is worthy to be blessed and praised in any and all circumstances. Then we hear Job pro boldly proclaim the majesty of God in verses 26 through 30. He says, Behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable, for he draws up the drops of water. They distill his midst in rain, which the skies pour down and drop on mankind abundantly. Can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thundering of his pavilion? He says, Behold, he scatters his lightning about him and covers the roots 
of the sea. In the midst of losing your family, your possessions, and your health. Could you imagine that being your first response? I struggled with this. When I read this, I kept, I kept starting to ask myself, could I do it? And then I'd, I'd just kind of get off the question. Because sometimes the truth hurts. I want to do it. I can't do it in the flesh. But I can do it through the Holy Spirit. Job asked his wife, is it fair to accept the good from God and not accept the bad as well? Well, that we could be so strong in our faith when we're challenged in our daily lives to say all this. Now, today's message is not meant to glorify Job, of course. It's about that underlying fact that even during all that pain and suffering, he continued to proclaim God's authority. Amen. Job knew who he was, and he proclaimed who God was. He understood that God's ways are not our ways. He understood that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And even though in Scripture he demanded the reason, he wanted to know the reason for the trials, he never found out. God never told him why. But even through all that, he never lost focus on God's authority and God's power. Instead of cursing God, Job worshipped God at the worst of times. After hearing Job's account and trial throughout the book, God finally responds, starting in chapter 38, verse 4. Now, if you get a chance, read this at home. Sit for a couple minutes and picture God. This is one of the few times that I feel like crawling under a rock when I'm reading Scripture. Because remember, Job was demanding to know why, even though he worshipped up. Here's what God said to him and to us. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? And what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far you shall come and no further, and here shall your proud waves be stopped. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place so that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and it's dyed like a garment. Light is withheld from the wicked, and her uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked into the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And where is that place of darkness that you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the path to its home? Surely you know, for you were born then and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I've reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? 
Lord is away to the place where the light is distributed, or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth. Could you imagine God asking us these questions? He's saying, who are you? Who do you think you are? I love you. You're precious in my sight. You are a, a son and a daughter of the Most High God, but don't remember who I am, or don't forget who I am, and don't forget who you are. When we look at that scripture, literally you almost want to fall down and praise and worship and, and ask for forgiveness. Now it's a relationship, right? We know that he loves us, but just like a parent, a grandparent, supposed to, right? We have discipline. We, we have boundaries. We have lines. And God's laying it out right now. Who do you think you are? I've done all this for you. Those are the words of our Father God, God reminding us of our place in his kingdom. Reminding us that he alone is the creator. That he alone is the author of the earth and all that's in it. Including us. How can we read those questions to Job and not fall to the ground in awe and worship with gratitude and thanksgiving for all he's created and that all he's done for us. We praise and serve the one who created us for that very purpose. God created us to worship him, not only in these bodies, but when we, when we get called home, our job will be to worship God forever, for eternal Eternal worship. Might as well practice now, amen? Yes. We'll get it right down here. It'll be a piece of cake up there. But that is a purpose. Job never knew why God allowed him to suffer, yet his faith remained unfaltering. And of course, ultimately, God restored his fortunes, his health, and his family, and actually it was a double portion that he rewarded him with, a double blessing. Job reveals that God will allow the righteous to endure affliction. But he will never, ever, ever forsake us. He promises to be with us always, even to the end of time. Probably the biggest question I get asked as a pastor is, if there is a God, why did he allow my baby to die? I can't answer that question. I don't know why. But somewhere in there, God's hand is in it. I promise you. God allows the righteous to endure affliction. We're not free from pain, sickness. We're not free from uh, tribulations. We're not promised perfect health. We're not promised knees that work every time we jump out of bed. But we're promised that God is right there with us. We're promised that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are present with us as we go through all that. Amen. The Lord gives blessings but allows suffering. Our relationship with him should be based on who he is and what he does for us. It should never be based on his gifts or his blessings. We don't praise him simply because he blesses us. We praise him anyway, good or bad. We're to praise him in the storms of our lives. And even more so as the enemy assaults us, the more we get attacked, the more we should worship God. Because you know what? Satan's going to go, yeah, I'm going somewhere else. This ain't working out like I thought it would. The quicker we can rebuke Satan, the quicker he's going to leave. The longer we can endure Satan's attacks, the quicker he's going to leave. And maybe not come back so quickly. I'm a witness. 
when we struggle to be grateful, we need to go back to the scripture and remind ourselves everything happens according to God's will. We know that he'll give us the peace and strength to push through it. By his goodness and grace, we can still rest easy and be grateful for everything he's doing in our lives. As we face life's trial, we need to remember the example of Job. We need to remember who we are. We need to remember whose we are. We need to remember what God's done in our lives, what God's doing in our lives now, and what God promises to do in our lives in the future. We can never give that hope up. We need to be grateful for the abundance that surrounds us. Look around. Look at this church. Look at this community. Look, what, look what's happening in the community. I mean, whether it's a food bank, whether it's worshiping, whether it's loving on people, whether it's giving them a phone number to call and check on other people, whether it's visiting in nursing homes or people that are shut in, we, we need to thank God for all that. There's a lot of beauty that we sometimes miss. Because, see, Thanksgiving comes with a lot of grumbling, doesn't it? You, you would think that Thanksgiving would just be, ah, da, 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 you get up and it's a beautiful day and there's no, nope. Nope. Potatoes are lumpy. The gravy's too thick. Right? Johnny showed up late again. Susie was bringing the bacon. Bill never stopped by the house. We get so caught up in the now. We get so caught up with all those little petty things going on that we forget to turn to God and say, praise God. No matter what we're going through. I bet if we were to make a list, if we sat down today and said, I'm going to make a list of all the people who've helped me through my life. I'm going to make a list of all the people who support me. I'm going to make a list of all the people who have loved on me. All the people who've cared for me. And all the people who've forgiven me. I bet you I'd never end that list. I bet I'd be adding to it every day when I start counting my blessings, when I start looking for the good. You might come up with 20 or 30 today, and then in the middle of the night, boom, Wade Allen's name pops up. Boom, Warren. And, and you're like, oh, i got to write this down so I don't forget, because that's what will happen when we look for that good. The, the Lord is going to show us that. He's going to give us those names. And that list, those are the people we need to be thankful for. Amen? The list of people who hurt us, Probably be just as long. That's the list we rip up. That's the list we rip up or start on fire, hopefully not in my house, but start it on fire safely and get rid of it and forgive those people. That's not the list we keep, amen? amen. But the ones that support us, we praise God for them coming in to our lives. Joanna Fuchs wrote a message titled, I'm Thankful for You. I read it last year. I'd like to read it again this morning. Thanksgiving is the appointed time for focusing on the good in our lives. Yes, yes, yes. In each of our days, we can find small blessings, but too often we overlook them, choosing instead to spend our time paying attention to our problems. That happened to anybody over Thanksgiving? Spending too much time paying attention to problems. 
We give our energy to those who cause us trouble instead of giving our energy to those who give us peace. Those who love us. Those who support us. Those who are willing to forgive us. That's where our energy should be directed. So starting now, let's be on the lookout for bits of pleasure in each hour, each moment, and appreciate the people who bring love and light to everyone. My prayer this week is that we start looking for and recognizing people that God has put into our lives to bless us. And then, we're not done. Then we need to look for ways to bless them back. And then we need to look for ways to bless everybody in the community in this world that's so full of hate. That's our job. This week we will spread an attitude of gratitude. Let us pray. Father, as we gather on this Sunday after Thanksgiving, we remember the words of Holy Scripture to call us to give thanks in all circumstances. We thank you for the countless blessings you've bestowed upon us, both in times of joy and in times of challenge. We're grateful for the love of family and friends who surround us. We're grateful for the food on our table. We're grateful for the shelter over our heads. Most of all, we thank you for your presence in our lives, for your grace, and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to always maintain hearts filled with gratitude, not just on Thanksgiving, but every day of our lives. May we continue to count it all joy and give thanks in all things. In Jesus' name, we offer this prayer of thanksgiving. Amen. Now, you can remain seated, seated for this. If you want to say anything more than welcome to but we just pray that this would sink into our souls this morning.
We don't know it, but the Holy Spirit does. So we ask them to pray the Holy Spirit, show me scripture, take that scripture, put it on a 3 by 5 card, and bring it on a Sunday. And I think we were doing four at a time, making up four or whatever. And then when we come here, we all, we all pray over the, the scripture, ask it to be anointed again. And then our prayer is that those cards go to the person that the Holy Spirit was thinking of when he asked us to write it. And for the new people, I'll tell you, we've had several uh, testimonies where people got up and went, what? We've had people get up and go, wait a minute, I picked the card that I wrote. And we laugh. Right? Because sometimes we don't know what we need either. But we laugh. They'll say, I'll put it back on the back. If we believe that the Holy Spirit's directing you to pick that card up, there's a reason for it. So, so what we're going to do here is we're going to ask you to take, oh, we're going to do a new twist. So last week, or during this week, I guess it. Today, Sunday, I know that. So during the week, I come up and I, I open my laptop and there's, there's a three by five card with scripture on it. Now it was only the verse, right? Chapter and verse. So I looked it up and I went, oh my goodness, no coincidence. I'm literally preaching on that today. So I, I laughed about it. So then I open the other computer up and there's another three by five card. Similar to that verse. It was the one on the sparrows. And I'm going, but we always say, worship team, no coincidences, right? Your music always lines up with what we're doing. And I'm going, oh my goodness. God is good. Then I opened my drawer up yesterday morning in the office, and there was a third scripture card. I was like, this is incredible. So it gave me an idea. It's been done in other churches I've heard before. But what I'd like to do this week is, after you pick them and read them, because that's the other part of the, of the challenge, is to read these throughout the day, throughout the week, and you know, pray over them. But this week, if we take, what I said, four cards, five cards apiece? Let's do four cards, five cards apiece. Let's do five cards apiece. And I'm going to ask you to take one of those cards and leave them at a restaurant. Or uh, maybe some, figure it out, a gas station, think outside the box. Just leave it. Don't say a word to anybody you get down. You know, down at Nina's last night. I wish I had taken one down there. I didn't have the idea of that. But to just leave it on the table. And on the gas station, one, one of the old guys get together for coffee and stuff. But you know, don't say work, get done. Set that card on the table. And we're going to see if sometime you have my word, if we flood the communities with these cards, all of a sudden you're going to start hearing people talking about it. People are going to start saying, yeah, I said, uh, whatever. And we'll, Whatever. I looked at the bridge, I said, and there was a scripture card. And it said, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it, it will be yours. And I'm telling you, I have been praying for whatever, my mother. And I found that card. We're going to hear that these, this scripture will come back to this church. We don't have to tell it, it was us. Right? We don't need the glory, it goes to God. But are you with me on that? Is that would that be exciting? I thought that was really cool. All right, so let's do it. If you could raise your hands up, if you're comfortable with that, let's do that. Father God, we love you. We do come to you with uh, praise and thanksgiving, and we ask you to just bless these three by five cards or your words or already anointed. We just ask for a special anointing. We pray that the people here will get the cards that you that you intended for them, and we pray, Lord, that the community starts seeing Scripture, makes them curious, that the Holy Spirit will start to stir their hearts, Father God, to make them curious, to make them ask questions. And, and try to find out why people are spending time to pass that word around, Father God, because the, the times are getting close to the end. 
We need to bring more people into your kingdom in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. I also have the church directory. I'm going to put it downstairs. I know if I pass it around during church, nobody will listen to the message. So I'm going to bring it downstairs. Please make sure you pass that directory table to table. Um, if your name's not in there, if you were one of the 14 that joined, I have it. You don't have to do it again. I'll transfer all that in myself. But if you go through that directory and your name's not in there or something's incorrect, would you please fix that so I can make sure? Because uh, I, I do make phone calls sometimes to make sure people are okay. Go now, giving thanks for all that God has done and all that God is doing in your life, in this community, and in the world. May we be surprised by grace as gratitude opens us to recognize God's abundant provision all around us. Amen. Until we meet again, brothers and sisters, may God bless and keep each and every one of you. Please stay safe, stay in his word, and stay connected to the well. God bless you all. One more song, so don't leave yet.
Bye.